ask that as we uh, prepare our hearts for God's Word today and the book of James, we also be in the Gospels, that uh, we take a moment of silence just to reflect. Lord, as we have come together this morning in great thankfulness and all the blessings that you have provided for each of us and our prayers of joys and concerns and in worship and now, Lord, and your word, the truth of which you have given us to live by. Words through your son, Jesus Christ, that we will spend time in this morning, Lord, and also words in the book of James. Lord, may our hearts and our minds be open to hear what you have for us. May we put into action your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanted to open this morning in a moment of reflection, and I want to really just kind of pick on some of the guys here this morning. Some of you husbands, have you ever had a point in your marriage where your wife had signed you up for something and you didn't know about it until that thing came up? Yeah? Does that ever happen? If not, you're really lucky. And if not, uh, just wait, because it'll probably happen at some point. That happened to us recently. Uh, Amy and I have some friends, and uh, they're building a new house, and very wonderful for them, but she signed me up to help them uh, with some, some parts of the house build. I didn't know that. Um, and uh, the phone call came this week, hey, we're putting in floor joists. And I told Amy, I don't want to go. I don't want to go this week. I don't want to. It was 50. It was nice out. So uh, the trade-off was Maggie was throwing up, so I, <laughs> I went and put floor joists in. So I was like, all right, okay, it all works out. You can deal with the, the sick kid. But as I show up there, I'm like looking at the job site. It is, there's stuff everywhere. It's like, it's a job site. And they are young, they're engaged, they're excited, all the work in front of them, and, and this home that they are building together to raise a family and to live life in and grow. And they were telling me about the process for them to even get this far. They had to dig in around the foundation to make sure everything was secure, and it was good, and it was uh, enough to sustain the new build for the new house and all these different things. And it was fascinating. These two younger kids... I call them kids. I'm 13 years older than them. So they were just on fire. And they were paying attention to all the little details. And as we're putting the joists in, I just looked at them at one point and I said, Now, are, are you learning anything about this house build and for you and your relationship for your upcoming marriage? You've got to pay attention to the foundation that you're laying down of what's to come. Because if you mess up here, there's going to be some hard roads ahead. And they said, well, yeah, we, we're really trying to build a house, not focus on the whole marriage counseling right now. I just couldn't uh, resist. But as we went on, and, I, and it really was a moment for me as I was like, I don't, I'm not sure. And then he was like, you know, we've been reading James this week, and really, you know what it says in James? If you know what is right and you don't do it, that's sin. Andrew, you know it's right. You better go. 
And so that's where we come this morning to start us off. I want, to th- I want us to think about this new year, and I want us to think about all the ways of our lives and how we are living each day, in and out, all the things that we consume and all the things that we produce out of ourselves. What are we doing? Where is our focus? Who is our foundation? All of that. So we're going to spend some time this morning really digging into that. So if you brought your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to James. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to read the whole chapter. Don't worry. It's like, what, 17 verses. We'll be okay. Um, So the words will also be on the screen, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enemy uh, with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend with, of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, or carry on business and make money. Why do you, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We open in... James chapter 4 this morning, as James commits in his book to various parts of the Christian life, from trials to judgment to living each and every single day and so much more. But for this morning, we're going to specifically focus on what does it mean to live in the foundation of Christ. Now, I'm sure many of you, as I have been inundated with advertisements and so many different ways, shapes, and forms of how do I uh, receive a New Year's resolution. They're all over the place. This time of year, people are trying to do different things, to make changes 
in their lives. Gym memberships skyrocket. Vegetables fly off the shelves as many try to set their eyes on being a healthier person in the coming year. And I was curious, as we think about New Year's, what are some of these New Year's resolutions our world is saying we need to do now? And I will confess to you, I do not have a subscription to uh, Good Housekeeping, but when I googled it, that's the first thing that popped up. They had 65 resolutions that we should adhere to in this new coming year. I just want to read the top 20 to you. One, build a better budget. Practice mindfulness. Cook something new each week. Read more books. Create a cleaning schedule you will stick to. Drink less alcohol. Make dinner easier. Start meal prepping. Commit to a healthier sleep routine. Join a club. Quit smoking. Learn to love vegetables. Prioritize annual health screenings. Exercise your brain. Become a plant owner. Take the stairs. Start doing yoga with your partner. Plan a vacation. Head to a day spa. And the 20th one, my favorite, make time for cuddling. Those are legit off of this website. Resolutions that we as people in the culture and community should really buy into and adhere to. But I pose the question as I read those, where do you and I find our foundation? It is, is it upon our own desires of how we choose to live our lives, or is it upon living for God? I ask this because we cannot just live life one year at a time and say, hey, you know what, this is a new year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some New Year's resolutions and try to do something different. So instead of bringing to you the top 65 New Year's resolutions, I wanted to break down four key points from James this morning. And the first point is this. As Christians, we need to understand that our lives are built on the foundation of faith. Jesus preaches on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, and he brings his entire sermon to a close with the words in Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27, and I'm going to read those to you now. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, taking Jesus at his word here in this simple form of putting into practice what he says. We'll be heading into a sermon series here in a few weeks about the Sermon on the Mount, but for right now, I want us to actually think about what Jesus said. Put into practice what I'm saying. The question is, do we do that? Do we read God's Word and then put it into practice? 
Or do we read God's word and say, I need to discern on that and mumble and fumble along the way and make our own choices and decisions? If we're not putting into practice the words of Jesus, we're like this man building his house upon sand. To put it more clearly, what decisions in our lives have we made without God's word being there first? I truly believe that this is becoming a lost form in the Christian faith, that we, would, that we would go before we would actually seek the discernment and wisdom of the Lord. And just as Jesus says here, if you do not put into practice my words, it was radical then as it is radical now. Think about what your life would look like. Because I know I have. If I could put into practice every single word of God in every aspect of my life. How different life would work. To me, this is not a resolution. To me, this is a direct commandment from the Lord. Put into practice what I have spoken. James chapter 4, verses 5 says this, Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he's caused to dwell in us. So Jesus tells us in Matthew 7 that he wants us to put into practice his word. And then in James it says that he longs for us. So Jesus is guiding us, giving us his word to live into. And then here in James it's God constantly is pursuing our spirit. God longs for what he has given us. He yearns, he chases, he pursues each and every single one of us. He wants us to be in a relationship with him that in every way, shape, and form of our lives, we're living for him. James also echoes the words of Jesus all throughout the Gospels, that there is an inner war, there's a battle that consumes our lives between good and evil, our desires and to live righteous for God. All of that to say this brings us to this point. You and I have a choice. We have a choice to give our lives to the Lord and live for Him built on the strong foundation or we have a choice to live our lives for ourselves upon the sinking sand, the ever-shifting foundation of the world. And that's the first point. The second point is this. We have to pray. We have to pray. James 4.3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. An echo of what we read in James chapter 1. James opens by saying this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So we have to pray in the midst of our Christian lives, us at the foundation, at the very core of who we are as Christians in faith. We have to pray for godly wisdom. Prayer is at the heart of our communication with the Lord. We could say that prayer is that 
bedrock of everything we do. It's the inciting incident of our faith. Prayer is where we need to find ourselves in the stillness and also in the busy movements of our lives. And yet God yearns jealously for the spirit he gave us. God did not put within us a spirit to be timid and fearful. He set within us a spirit that he longs to have. In the midst of life, we always need to know that God pursues us. And yet we have to submit to God's desire for our lives. Are the desires in our lives self-seeking? Or are they for the glory of God? You know, as told to me early on in our marriage, one quick way to find out how you're glorifying God is to look at your checking account. Where's the money going? That tells you where you're spending time and what you're focusing on. Resist the devil, the father of lies, and the instigator of our desires. And James is clear. God pursues us, and yet in the midst of that pursuit, we have to resist the devil. The first part of resisting the devil is first acknowledging the devil's real. There's a lot of people who don't believe Satan's real. There's a cosmic battle between evil and good, and it lies within our lives every single day. And God has defeated Satan once and for all. And we know that throughout Scripture we're told that that's gonna, that battle is going to be complete upon Jesus' second coming. I love what it says in Genesis chapter 4, 7. One of my favorite verses of the entire Bible. God says this to Adam and Eve. Oh, he says this to Cain. If you do what is right... Will you not be accepted? But if you not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Very interesting. Four chapters in to the entire Bible. God reveals to us a power of sin crouching at the door of our hearts. And we must rule over it. And we also must draw close to God. When we draw close to God, God draws close to us. God yearns for our lives. We have to submit to God. We have to resist the devil. And we have to draw close to him. And we have to pray. Here's the next point. How we live today is what we believe about how we're going to live tomorrow and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. When we build our lives upon God's foundation and his word, we live confidently into each and every single day, knowing the one who holds that day. Listen once here to Romans chapter 8. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sinful offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh. 
in order that a righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death. The mind governed by spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You see what Paul is laying out here in chapter 8. It's an either or. You're either living into the world, into your fleshful desires, or you're living into the spirit where there is life and peace. God uses Paul here as a mouthpiece of the truth of what it means to live in the spirit. Because there's no two ways about it. We are either in Christ or we are not. We either have life in the spirit or we don't. We either find ourselves in the foundation of eternal life or eternal damnation. You know, just like helping that couple lay out some floor joists and all the calculations, everything that took place for that to come together. Every measurement had to be just done correctly for that house to last. As we come into this new year, it's the same for us. How are you measuring your life? What are the ways that you are paying attention to the eternal instruction manual? Are you living by God's word? Are you striving for it? We all fall short of the glory of God as we read in Romans 3.23. And yet each and every day God puts before us an opportunity to grow, to build. How are we intentional in the world in which God has blessed us with to live for Him? What's in our hearts? What's your deepest desire going into this next year and the year following and the year following? Does it have to do with your work or your family or something else? I pray that today we would cling to God. That with diligence and intentional steps, we would know in the ways that He pursues us that we ought to submit to that pursuit to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is as James ends chapter 4. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways that you pursue us. We thank you, Lord, for the ways that you desire to have an eternal relationship with us. That you want nothing more and for our hearts and our minds, for our words, for our actions, for every ounce of who we are. To set forth your word before everything we do. To bring you glory. To know that you are 
our Lord and Savior, now and forever. Amen. The night in which Jesus was with his disciples, he stood in an upper room. As he sat with his disciples, he took a loaf of bread and he lifted it, giving thanks to his Father. And he broke that bread and said, Take and eat, for this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, Jesus took a cup. He lifted that and gave thanks to his Father in heaven and said to his disciples and to us, Take and drink from this cup, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is being poured out for you and for many, the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning we come to an open table of communion. We will have a gluten-free station here in the middle, and we take communion through intinction. We will have you take a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup, and we want to invite you to return to your chairs uh, in a time of prayer. So would you just give us a moment as we set the table?